listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a podcast consultant, manager and producer here in Fukushima Prefecture. Well, I have an amazing guest for you today. I'm really, really excited to introduce Zoe to you. Now, she lives down in Kochi Prefecture, and we've had another Kochi guest on here recently who was Violet. She was a few episodes ago now, and she introduced me to Zoe and said, I think it would be great if you have Zoe come on the show. And I thought, well, why not? This sounds fantastic, because Zoe and her husband run a a pack rafting business in Kochi. And when we were talking, she showed me her view out the window of where she was talking to me. And she turned her camera on the computer around and right outside her window was this beautiful emerald green river. I was just blown away. I cannot imagine that there is a place like this in Japan where you can live right on this amazing, beautiful river. And this is what you can do down in Kochi. Kochi is the place to go, I tell you. So much outdoor stuff happening down there, river, uh, what do you say, pack rafting, stand-up paddle boarding, uh, tramping, hiking, whatever you want to call it in your country, all those things happening down there as well as the beaches and you know the, just the sea in general. So in our episode today, we talked a little bit about how she came to be living in Japan and running a rafting business down in Shikoku. And as another fun thing is that we both used to live in the same town, my hometown in New Zealand. So that's really nice little uh, connection there as well. And we also talked about what it's like to be, you know, a new kind of new person to Japan and living in a very small place like Kochi is. And we talked through some of the things that perhaps she's worrying a little bit about or wondering about for the future. And so I hope if you're new to Japan that, yeah, you'll find some useful information there as well. And if you're not new to Japan, it's really good just to listen and remember what it's like for people who are new to Japan and what they're going through, what they're worrying about as well. When I say new, uh, it's always not that new. She's actually been in Japan for two years already. So, you know, not fresh off the plane or anything like that. But yeah, when you've been here for nearly 20 years, it does sound quite new. (laughs) So this will be the final episode for this summer, before the summer. So we'll be taking a break over summer here on the Transformations with Jane podcast. And I do this every year. And I do this because, well, one, I think you should enjoy your summer. And two is I know you have a lot of episodes to catch up on as well. So I would love you to go back and listen to some of those episodes you didn't have time for uh, when they first came out. Show them some love. Share with me any of the takeaways that you've had. And yeah, enjoy your summer as well. And I know that during summer, we're not normally on our usual schedule. People are perhaps not going to school and perhaps you're not doing your usual 
you know, way of life where you get to listen to podcasts, uh, you know, perhaps in the car or whatever it is, perhaps you're in the car and now you have to listen to your kid's favorite song instead of <laughs> your podcasts or something. I know that's what happens at my house. At the moment, my kids are giving me an education on the latest music because they have access to my premium Spotify account and they put all of these songs on these playlists that we must listen to in the car. And recently they were saying, mommy, there's a new BTS song. Did you know? And I'm like, no, I did not know, but you're going to tell me. And so now we must listen to BTS. That's a um, K-pop group. If you do not even know (laughs) what that is uh, called butter. Yes. We are listening to a song called butter. And I'm personally, I'm more of a, dynamite fan i don't think they have uh, <laughs> done better with this butter song but anyway we are listening and you can probably hear my dog barking downstairs i'm not sure what his problem is but we'll just keep going because hashtag imperfect action here on the transformations with jane podcast so yes i hope you have a wonderful summer And we will be back again in September with more episodes on this podcast. So don't worry, we're not going away forever. Just taking a break because, you know, it's good to have a little bit of uh, downtime, refresh. And then I always look forward to coming back to to podcasting again after the summer break. So ah, let me play this interview with Zoe for you. Hi, Zoe. Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you here today. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so Zoe, whereabouts are you calling in from today? I am calling in from Niodogawa, Kochi. So this is about an hour and a half away from Kochi City. And Kochi, for those whose Japanese geography is not great, is in Shikoku, yeah? So down the very sort of southern end of Japan. What is it like in Kochi? just for people who have no idea about what coach is like. Mm, it's kind of hard for me to compare with anything else because that's always where I lived in Japan. But I love it here. It's beautiful. Uh, there is, you know, just in front of me now where I'm calling, there's pristine water, uh, canyons and rivers. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really much enjoying it here. There's a lot of hiking spots. And as far as Kochi City itself, for me, for me, it's a big city because I'm from, you know, a, a small town in Canada. But I, from what I hear, it's uh, compared to other cities in, in Japan, it's very small. I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I live in Iwaki City. And I mean, calling it a city is a bit of a stretch because it's more like a bunch of towns that have just been sort of grouped together and called a city. And you'll drive from one sort of town to another town through some rice fields, but you're still in the city. Yeah. So sometimes the word city is sort of thrown around a bit, I think, in Japan when it's not very city-like. Yeah. <laughs> How did you end up in Kochi of all places. Tell us your how I came to Japan story. Mm, okay, so I it's kind of a, a long story, and it would it will lead us where you are from in in from Tiano, right? So yeah. I started traveling when I was twenty. So prior to that, I have a, a background in three D animation. So I studied to be a CGI artist, and then I worked in that industry for about a year and a half and soon realized that it was not really for me. And so I started traveling, went to Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia, a lot of places. And 
eventually I had to settle somewhere. I did settle in, in Tiano for a couple of years. And then my visa was about to run out. So I had to go back to Canada. And I did not want to go back where I was from. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the, the, the furthest place from where I live. I, I'm from Quebec. So the east, easternmost province in Canada. And I thought I'm going to go to British Columbia, which is at the other side of Canada. Applied for a job there. Didn't get it. And so I had to go back home. I went home for about three days. And then um, there was another posting at a rafting resort in British Columbia to teach yoga. So I applied for that, got it. And three days later, I was in, in British Columbia after maybe two years of not seeing my parents. And I only stayed three days. So that was disappointing <laughs> for them, I think. Mm -hmm. And then I met my husband there. So he Ooh. is a Japanese raft guide. So we, we met at that rafting resort in British Columbia. And we, yeah, we basically started dating and I visited Japan at the end of the summer, just only for about two weeks. I wasn't sure exactly whether I was going to move to Japan or not, but soon enough, I I kind of realized that it was the only way that we, were, we could stay together. So I, I decided to move to Japan on a working holiday visa. And then we worked at actually the rafting resort in Otoyo, where Violet, your previous guest, mm lives and we worked there for a season well actually he, he had worked there for several years but I only worked there for a season and then we just decided to start our own business in the outdoor industry so we we found this place near Dogawa which is maybe two hours from Otoyo where we lived and so yeah it's been a very much a a uh learning process because I'm not you know the, the type of person who studied for years Japanese prior to coming here it was kind of throwing myself in you just throw in yourself in the, in the deep <laughs> yeah. end yeah <laughs> yeah and I thought oh yes surely it's gonna be fine and I, prior to like moving here I was like oh I'm gonna be you know I'll learn the, the language in like six months yeah that didn't happen but <laughs> I, I you know I'm, I'm still trying my best and learning little bit by little bit and so yeah to come back to where I was going before we we were looking for a place to start our business and then we were kind of road tripping around Shikoku because we like the island you know that's a, a very nice place and and so we uh, we found this place Niodogawacho and we decided to move here and everyone's been so helpful like the the Machiakuba people and and the local people and yeah so it's been really much a pleasure to to move here I mean obviously it comes with challenges because it's not the culture that I'm used to but I think to travel prior to to come here really helped and uh and yeah so that's how I I came to to uh, be where I am yeah that's your coming to Japan story interesting and <laughs> you, you you mentioned that this place uh Tiana which is where I grew up in New Zealand or where I I call my home in New Zealand and you actually lived there for three years as well. So that was a fun little coincidence that we realized because mm -hmm. the, that town is not very big. What, maybe no. 3,000 people live there? Very small yeah. by Japan standards anyway. That's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful place. I there. think by any standards, it's small. But... It is pretty small, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's not necessarily a place where, you know, a lot of people are drawn to move, I think, in New Zealand. People think of, you know, the... Auckland and Wellington and, and Christchurch. But yeah, Tiana is absolutely stunning. Um, I always have a place in my heart for 
Cortiano. Yeah, so do definitely Google that if you're wondering what we're talking about. The spelling is T E space A N A U Tiano New Zealand. Or that's how the local people say it. But the the proper way to say it, which is what you said, Zoe, is Tiano. And um, <laughs> well done. Yeah, <laughs> it's not me doing it on purpose. It's just my French accent coming out. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a resort town like Queenstown, which is not very far away, which is like party central. It's more a sort of a family resort town, but it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And I was very lucky to grow up there and go to high school there. And uh, I left there to go to university. And then I, I never really moved back again. But yeah, I will probably go back there in the future, I think, at some point. It's definitely my my place that I like to spend time in New Zealand. So yeah, so you were there. You went back home to Canada, met your husband, came back, uh, came to Kochi for the first time. And tell us about this business that you have. So exactly what are you doing in Kochi? Yeah, mm, so I'm doing a few different things. I have my own business and then there is the business that I run with my husband. So the the main uh, business that we have is an outdoor tool business. So we do canyoning tours and pack rafting tours, which is small individual inflatable kayaks. So it's it's similar to a big raft uh, in the sense that, you know, you can go through white water with, but not so you're not with like six to eight people on, on the boat. So you have your own little little kayak. So it's more and more popular, I would say. There, you know, there's a lot of uh, other companies who are either starting to do that or who have been doing packrafting tools for for several years. But we are the only canyoning company around the area. So it's it's really really cool to to kind of go in places that other people, even the local people, are not you know, familiar with and they're like, oh, is this really our backyard? Like when we show them photos. And so that's that's the main business that we have here. Uh, what I do mostly in the business is either going, you know, to guide sometimes when we have foreign people, but mostly it's it's Japanese people, especially because of, of the virus and the fact that people can't travel to Japan at the moment. And I do most of the marketing. So uh, the website, Instagram, uh, any design, for example t-shirts stickers anything like that and i also do a lot of the of the emailing going to the base meeting people the pr everything like that so yeah it's been very enjoyable and i've been going on the river myself quite a lot yeah and i love it it's it's amazing it sounds great yeah so that's the first part of of the business and Mm. then i also do health coaching and i teach yoga so the health coaching is something that that I've been doing for around two years now and teaching yoga I've been doing for probably six or six years, I, I think. Mm-hmm. I used to teach in Tiano as well, actually. Mm. And yeah, so that's kind of, of what I've been doing. My, my health coaching kind of revolves around things that I have struggled with myself. So people with fatigue, uh, with chronic pain that can be joint pain that can be migraines and with digestive issues with a lot of stress so I help uh, people with with these symptoms to navigate them and to to find ways to heal themselves through food and through um, habits 
and also on limiting beliefs because it is a thing to you know you, you everyone knows that eating broccoli is healthier than chocolate it's it's more about <laughs> yes why we take the decisions that we we do and whether we think we deserve to heal or to, yeah so so that's what my passion is but yeah I also feel very fortunate to have this other outdoor business so both of them are kind of you know complementary I, I would say for yeah, mm. for what I want in the future. Mm. Well, it sounds like being out in all that nature and the water and this, you know, these canyons, the river you're talking about, it just must be so healing in itself to be out there doing that as well as taking care of yourself with your yoga and your, yeah, health coaching and all of that stuff. That sounds like a really great lifestyle mm. down there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many questions. Pack rafting. Mm-hmm. So I, I have done whitewater rafting obviously in New Zealand not in Japan (laughs) did not have a great experience okay personally after I ended up side down underneath my raft you know when the raft tipped over you know and the raft sort of goes on (laughs) top of you and and it was yeah it was kind of a a traumatic experience but tell Mm. us a bit about pack rafting does like are you attached to the raft like what how does it work so the what you're referring to, I assume that the rivers in New Zealand are quite, you know, high water. Uh, they, from what I understand, I'm not a, I'm not an expert in, in you know, the these rivers, but from what, I, from what I understand, they're usually great four or five. Which, which river did you raft in New Zealand? This was up in the North Island. I did this. It was very sort of backcountry river. It wasn't a really high grade river at all, but it was just a small boat and it wasn't self-bailing so I think that also contributed uh, to the fact that we yeah. got tipped out <laughs> it would have yeah oh my god can you believe it this is a school yeah. trip as well like how did my parents oh let my me go god. on this trip I do not know <laughs> oh my god okay yeah so uh we so where I was getting at with that is that the rivers that we do pack raft here is usually not as you know intense as whitewater rafting can be because obviously you are controlling your own boat so we want to make sure that it's you know safety first and so no to answer your question you are not attached to the the pack raft uh it is self-bailing though so you have uh, little holes at the bottom so the water goes through your raft and then kind of empties out by itself and so what what is pretty good about the river where uh where we go is that there's usually big pools after the rapids so it's easy to if you slip you know which can happen you can't really get stuck on the boat which was your experience because mm-hmm. they're quite small. Usually what happens is that you just swim and then you can go back on your boat on, you know, when you, you reach that pool after the rapid. Yeah. It's not anything extremely, you know, how it's hard to, to, to explain, but anyone can do it. It's just about whether, you know, you're looking for a, a kind of a lake kayaking thing. Maybe that's not the right activity to do. There's, there's some, you know, other activities that would be more suitable, maybe like send a paddle board and such, but it's still very safe. We haven't had any injuries or anything related to, to pack rafting. Mm-hmm. That's good to yeah. know. Yeah. It's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not like top grade whitewater rafting that you're doing there. It's more leisurely sort of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, River. Yeah. in theory you could, you could, but not on a commercial trip. That's, you know, yeah. where, when we're the both of us with my husband, we do rivers that are a little bit more intense, but we would never go there with, with clients. <laughs> yeah. 
And who, what kind of, uh, like, where do people come from for, for your rafting in Japan? Obviously, you're getting mostly Japanese people at the moment. Yeah, so we have had a lot of people from Kochi, from Shikoku, obviously, with, you know, the traveling restrictions, that's that kind of like the best option to to travel within your, your own prefecture or within the island. Mm. That being said, we have had people, especially last year when, when coronavirus was not as spread out, uh, coming from Hiroshima, coming from Osaka, coming from even people, some people from Tokyo as well. Since I think there's a new flight from not that new anymore, but since I think two years before, there's a a flight from Tokyo to Kochi direct. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of drawing more people from from the big city to uh, to travel down south and uh, Kyushu as well. Some people from there. I would I don't really remember anyone north of Tokyo, but again, I don't really understand everything <laughs> that people say. So uh, so maybe. Maybe there there are some people who come from Hokkaido and such, but yeah, I haven't right. been talking to to every single person. Sure. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Violet said a few weeks ago that, yeah, there's a flight from Tokyo to Kochi Airport, isn't there? So the access is getting better for getting down where you are. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The train, you can take a train in about four to six hours or so from from Tokyo to somewhere near, near or Toyo yeah, anyway, yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think the station she mentioned is Toyonaga station. And uh, as far as trains go, it doesn't go all the way to our town. Uh, it goes to Sakawa station, which is 30 minutes away, but we do the, the shuttle if needed for um, our outdoor activity business. So from Sakawa station. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, someone from Tokyo or like me was coming down to do rafting, well, they really want to do rafting with you, what else mm-hmm. can they do there like to make it a weekend or, or you know, three or four days? What else can you do? Yeah, so there is, uh, there's a lot of, you know, I was hearing um, Violet talk about Otoyo a couple of days ago when you, you published the interview. And I think that compared to Otoyo, there's a uh, there's quite a, a few new businesses here, which is super exciting. So there is a craft brewery that just opened last year, and an American man and his wife started it up in the mountains, which is super cool. There's also a bunch of of cafes with some locally grown tea that they serve with some sweets and with really really good lunch and and dinner which is something that I absolutely love. I'm, mm. I love going to different restaurants and coffee shops and stuff. As far as activities go, there is us, obviously, and there is, there's a, another company called Neodo Outdoor Center, I think, and they, they do stand up paddleboard. There is also in Kochi City a few activities, you know, that you can do if you're into outdoors. There's, there's hiking around the area there's also a paragliding activity that i have never done myself but i've heard good things about up in the mountains from where mm-hmm. we are it's probably around 15 minutes up in the mountains and yeah a lot of really cool places to swim also around shimanto area which is south of where i live around two hours south there is some really really good surfing mm. so it's pretty much outdoor paradise here I it think. sounds like it good way to go kochi outdoor paradise in japan and yeah all of that in one place and you have cute nice cafes and 
what did you say? A brewery, like a <laughs> yeah, yeah, craft beer, craft beer brewery. That's really fun. Like it just sounds like the kind of place you want to go and hang out for three or four days and relax and be in nature mm-hmm. and stuff. Oh, and the best part is that a lot of the campsites are free, so that's the best. <laughs> you can just pitch your tent on on the beach next to the river and really, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more about this. You can just camp on the beach near the river. So there, there is a few places that are, are very well known by, I think, mostly by local people. But yeah, mm-hmm. along the Neodo River, there's a lot of uh, gravel beaches next to the river. And during the high season, you can, you know, you go down there and it's packed with people uh, with amazing setups, I must say. The Japanese camping setups are very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know if you've ever, you know, seen seen that, but it's like tents with tents inside of them and like a cooker and a, a, like a another area to, to cut your vegetables. And yeah, anyway, just as on the side note. Very organized, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's usually packed during the, the high season, but either way, you can just pitch your tent mm. and chill next to the river. That sounds amazing. Yeah, my one experience of going camping with Japanese friends and I got there and I was most amazed that they decided to cook curry while they were camping. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, that's pretty high level. Like, couldn't you have just have like cup noodles or something? <laughs> mm, this? We're yeah. camping, you know, but no, they, they wanted to cook the whole go the whole home and cook this curry and so they cook curry it was amazing tasted great of course yeah yeah. Yeah. it's more like glamping (laughs) yeah a lot of effort goes into the food right Mm. that's an important part of camping it's not like we're in New Zealand it's kind of like okay ham and cheese sandwich for dinner yep excellent or fish and chips from the shop down the road if there's one yeah or something Mm -hmm. yeah and a very different sort of approach to camping. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what life is like for you in Kochi as, you know, a foreign woman who's hasn't you know, when when did you actually come to Japan and, and live there like permanently? Uh so I moved to Japan in March twenty twenty nineteen, I believe. So that's almost like a year and a half ago. Is that right? Twenty nineteen. Two year, two and a half, two and a bit years ago. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Twenty nineteen. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I got confused with that. That's island time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, how life is. That's a good question. I think that when you don't really know what you're signing up for with Japan it can be quite tricky yeah moving here I think my first few months were definitely very hard uh, because I'm someone who who loves to communicate like I love connecting with people and as soon as I have a conversation with someone I want to know what their passions are what you know what uh, what is driving them to become better people and things like that and from what I've been gathering it's not really something that's a thing in Japanese culture. So for me, that was very difficult to stick with. And again, that might just be my own experience, but that's kind of what my husband has been saying. And that like, you, it's not frowned upon, but it's not, they don't really, you know, ask these type of things in, in the first conversation. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? And I, I'm so, I'm, I definitely want to get to the core of someone, you know, when, when I meet them. So that was difficult to stick with small talk and the weather and, yeah, I've been busy or something like that. Nothing too personal, yeah. Yeah, nothing too personal. Um, not asking really deep questions. And that's kind of what I'm all about. Mm. And still to this day, that I think that that is a struggle. And I wish, you know, that my 
Japanese was good enough so I could I could get the the slight kind of differences in the way people talk like I understand the what the comfort conversation is about but I don't necessarily get all the nuances of, of the conversation yet and so that's something that has been you know difficult uh, as far as as being a foreigner here you know everyone's been very very nice you know if anything I get free vegetables and fruits all the time mm-hmm. which has been great you know there's a lot of farms around here so so sometimes we get a some offerings in, you know next to the house with like a lot of daikon <laughs> so that's been that's been nice but again like I don't really know because there is a, a language barrier there and from what I I've heard from other people the more you you speak Japanese the more you you kind of get that that you'll never truly fit in so right. I so I don't really know so far like how how that's gonna turn out I know that I'm always going to look different obviously mm. so no matter if I have kids in the future and I you know, I've been here for 20 years. It, I'm still going to get that, you know, the, the Nihongo Jozu and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, you will. So, and, yeah, 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 especially yeah. when you meet new people. Yeah, you'll still get the Nihongo Jozu. But yeah, I can hear what you're saying. It's definitely a transition. And like you, that whoever told you that about the more Japanese you know, the more you find out that the less you know. Whereas when yeah. you're sort of ignorant, it's it's a kind of bliss, right? When you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, I think it's it's just a matter of accepting where you are and just running with that and doing the best you can. And I'm sure you are doing the best you can with what you know at this time, as you know it, right? Being the best, the best neighbor that you can be, or the best you know business owner that you can be with what you know at this point in time. And I, yeah. Japanese people will you know, will still accept you in, in, in some respect, you know, for that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's, that's very much uh, where I'm at at the moment, where I, I care, obviously, about, about the Japanese culture. I care about being accepted within the community. But at the same time, there are some things about who I am that I'm not willing to compromise like I do have tattoos which is you know another thing that's not really well received I would say maybe Mm. in in Japanese culture Mm. and and still people at the onsen nearby they've been very nice every time they they don't you know say anything or or they say that it's 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 pretty to have like the tattoos that I have or things like that which again is it true I don't know but (laughs) still like the, the intention is there I don't know, making me feel welcome, I guess. And also, I think that the way that I, the way that I carry myself, you know, in, in this place where I'm living, I, I've just decided to not care so much about fitting in as much as, you know, staying true to, to what I care about and, and how I want to yeah, how I want to, to live my life respectfully, by all means, you know, it's not just like I'm doing whatever I want. And you guys can just like, <laughs> <laughs> too bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, too bad for you. But it's more of a, uh, I yeah, I, I think it's important for me to learn from Japanese culture and, and also to not kind of drown in all the things that I don't know, I guess. It's, mm. That's what I mean. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's the very tricky balancing act, isn't it? To not lose yourself, but to, to do your best to be a good citizen of this country that is letting you live here, but not to lose yourself in the, in the local culture either and or lose your way. And I think, yeah, a lot of people struggle with that, just like you are 
seeing how does this work? We all go through that in some way. And sometimes we'll wake up one day and go, oh my goodness, why am I even like, maybe you wake mm. up and wonder why, <laughs> why did I do that? Or I don't need to do that. That's not, that's not who I am. And it's not actually necessary to be while I'm living in Japan. Why am I dressed like this? Like sometimes I'll look at my clothes and be like, I'm just wearing this because all the other mothers wear this. And I know if I wear this, then they won't, have anything to like comment about, you know, that I'm not wearing the the, the mama uniform or whatever it is, <laughs> but that's not yeah. really what I want to wear. Why don't I just wear what I want to wear? I'm going to do that next time, you know? So mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, it's a matter of just sort of finding, finding your groove and it can take a while. You're only two years in. So <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're doing great so far right? For two years. Yeah. I think there's a, you know, a whole new, a whole other level of pressure around mothers in Japan. I mean, I don't really know much about it, but I actually last year, I worked a little bit as an, as an English teacher, uh, which I, I don't do anymore, but I, I did for a little while and it seemed, yeah, it seemed very stressful. (laughs) (laughs) To, you know, have the nice, perfect bento and, and to act a certain way and to uh, to fit in. And so, yeah, I don't know how how it, that's going to go if I, you know, if I do have kids and if I do decide to stay here. But but yeah, I think I'm going to need a lot of, you know, grounding myself before I, I decide to do that. <laughs> a lot of knowing who I am and what I care about. And, and again, like you said, sometimes like I wake up and I'm like, I just want to be back home and I just want to be surrounded by friends you know from from childhood and my family and people who were like I who deeply know me and with whom it's just easy to talk because it's not always like I, I said easy to get my point across sometimes but I think that the the good definitely overweight the the you know the the difficult stuff of living yeah. here and I think again like living in in nature would definitely help I don't because my husband is from Saitama so we did stay there for for about two weeks uh, two to three weeks when we first moved to Japan and I was exhausted like I was I was so tired of of being around so many people all the time <laughs> like it, when we go to Tokyo and there's a lot of people around I don't know it, it felt very um, very overwhelming to me so I I feel uh, very happy to to be where I am and to be mm. able to go for a swim whenever I decide to, which is not necessarily something that people do either. Like they don't, there's a canyon right next to our house and people don't really go swim there, even when it's like 45 degrees outside. Right. And I'm like, why don't you guys swim? And they're like, oh, the water is cold. I'm like, what? Yeah, but <laughs> that's the point. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would be out there swimming with you if I was there, Zoe. Yeah. <laughs> come over. I'll take you down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I mean, obviously I didn't know a lot about Kochi until I spoke to Violet the other day and now I'm talking to you, but yes, I definitely mm-hmm. on my go-to list. And then I think it was a couple of days ago, Violet put this picture up on Instagram of this like snake and I'm like, oh, sorry, can't come and visit you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have a, a lot of, uh, a lot of creepy crawlies. That's just Yeah, sure. right. But mm. it, that is Japan and, and the nature and yeah you have yeah, to you have yeah, to yeah, yeah. learn how to live with these things and we even have snakes in my neighborhood here in, in Fukushima as well I just know where they are so that's why I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of okay with them because I kind of know if I go over there there's that's where the snakes are <laughs> I'm just not go there during yeah. the, the hot season yeah. um, when they're awake in the winter it's not a problem right so yeah, yeah. the snakes don't bother me too much it's mostly the the for those of you guys listening who live in in the countryside you'll know about these the mukades the the millipedes mm. these are yeah 
those are the ones that that I am I'm not really friends with. Uh, no, to put no. it lightly, <laughs> no, I don't really. I'm not a big fan of these. <laughs> yeah, centipedes and not cool. No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, and I I've lived in Japan for nearly twenty years, and I saw my first centipede last year, a year ago, because they come out when the rainy season starts, don't they? And we don't have them in my neighborhood, but I was living somewhere else and they were, and I found one and I was like, thank goodness I'm going back to Sweden next week, uh, tomorrow. So <laughs> it's like oh a God. goodbye present You're from lucky. Japan. That was last year. But yeah, when I visit my in-laws who live in Totori, it's like mukades everywhere and centipedes oh. everywhere. And if you've never seen one, you'd be like, centipede they're so cute no they're not do not touch them you'll be you'll need to go to hospital yeah yeah ouchie yeah yeah we've had a few traumatic experiences well I have anyway my husband doesn't seem like he cares too much but I have had a few uh, traumatic experiences with Mukades. <laughs> so yeah no they're, yeah uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of glad my my husband is a country boy. Like he ha- he's used to all of that stuff, and I'm, so I'm just like, please deal with yucky bug thing over there. I don't want to. It's huge. I don't want to. T- <laughs> and he just, he just sorts it out. But yeah, I'm I'm not that. Obviously, coming from New Zealand, where there are almost no insects, <laughs> so yeah, no, that's it's probably true. the thing I'm the least used to is yeah the bugs in Japan. Yeah, I would say that's probably the a big thing for me as well. Like the these mukades, I I'm not. Yeah, the, I I mean I know I've been talking about it for a few minutes now, but I cannot. <laughs> I can't get over it. I, yeah. So they're not a thing in Canada then either. No, no, absolutely not. I would say in Canada, in Canada, the things are animals are big. You know, you know that it's not. A good thing to approach them mm. no it's like let's say you see a bear you're like okay that's probably not a good idea to go right. close to, mm, to the bears. bear but mm. but here in, in japan it's more sneaky big uh, small mm. things can also uh, not be friends yeah and they pop mm-hmm. out of places where they shouldn't be like in your futon exactly. or like in your yeah. washing and stuff yeah that's the scare Absolutely. you right in the daily in your daily <laughs> life <laughs> That's that's the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. A a mountain lion will not pop out of your futon, that's for sure. So Mm, mm, that's exactly. uh, Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've gone on a tangent there, but yeah. Yeah. Um, this is great sales sales pitch for why you should visit Kochi or live outside of the big cities. But yeah, it's only for a few months of the year that this happens, right? So Yeah, um, yeah. And my friends in the city in, in Kochi City, they haven't really, you know, seen that many um that many crawlies. It's mostly when you really like in the, the countryside of the countryside that you exactly yes Mm. yeah and I hear about like the difference between the city and the countryside because when I visit Tokyo for a day or a couple of days I'm always so grateful to get back to my quasi city but not quite city it's more of a town Mm -hmm. where the pace of life is slower and it's quiet and there's just nature and yeah I just feel at home yeah whereas Tokyo and I, I fully understand what you mean about feeling exhausted yeah it just wears you out all of the noise and the people and the speed and the I don't know what it is the overcrowdedness or yeah being on edge or something maybe I'm not sure it's Mm. just a lot of for your brain to to deal with I think you know when there's so much noise and so much so many lights and so many people it's yeah I think I I feel like I'm constantly in fight or flight mode when I'm in Mm, in a big mm, city mm. 
And I guess until you build up that stamina to block out those things, then it is very draining yeah, until you get mm-hmm. used to it and you can yeah. survive there. <laughs> and it was yeah. yeah interesting what you said about the um, becoming a parent and things in Japan. And so, if, you know, as someone who has become a parent, I would say, yes, it is stressful um, in that there's so many new things to learn, but it's also that you become a member of a club that you potentially, you know, if you feel like an outsider, you're becoming a parent, it kind of gives you a, a pass to a club. It's the sort of like the mum mum's club or the parent club. And people who you, you know, have sort of seen around your neighborhood will suddenly start talking to you because you have a child and you become, if you become a mother, you become something that they can understand. Ah, she's a mother. I understand what that is, you know, even though she's a foreign mother and she probably doesn't feed her kid the same things that a Japanese mother would do, whatever. But you suddenly become more approachable. And I I know it was definitely once my children were born that I feel more a part of this community than I ever did as just a single working person. So I would say, don't be scared of it um, if that's what you want in the future or or anything. It's just a lot of things to learn. Yeah, there's there's a lot to learn about the differences and, and not all of them are bad and, and not all of them are good. And just deciding which ones you are going to adopt for your family and, and making the most of it, I think would be my advice as a senpai. <laughs> Japan okay, senpai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate I appreciate the, the insight definitely. And I, I think that I the thing that I'm scared of regarding having children in Japan is sometimes I feel like a mascot like, because I'm so different. i so especially with, with the business and with you know being with my husband, I feel like I don't yeah. know. I feel like I'm always standing out and I don't want that to be the reality of, of my children if I do have some in the future. I I mean, it can be to some extent. It's nice. You feel, you know, you feel seen, you feel, I don't know, but I, I think it can also be, you know, traumatic that you, you always stand out and you're always a different one. So hmm. uh, so I'm, I might be overthinking this, but I that's, that's the thing that kind of that sticks out when I think about having kids here. That being said, though, my husband is is great in terms of you know doing some things that are typically linked with being a a mother for example doing the laundry doing like dishes cleaning the house things like that so I've never had kind of a a cultural clash regarding that with with my husband which Mm. has been you know very very nice so yeah Mm. Yeah, I think you're referring to what pretty much everyone who lives in Japan experiences as being the sort of B B grade celebrity in that you everybody knows who you are, but you don't get any of the financial benefits of being a celebrity, <laughs> right? There's no special, you know, and but, you know, you will notice the longer you stay there that, you know, there is some nice tre- things that happen to you, like you get um, like what happened to Violet, she's been in Porchy for five minutes and NHK needed her to be on TV, you know, like this sort of thing doesn't happen in, in, in Canada, I'm sure, or in New Zealand where I'm from. Yeah. And for your kids, and I noticed this with my kids, is that that's all they know. So they don't think it's anything weird, right? Okay. For us, it's like, I didn't grow up like this. So I think my children will be traumatized by this. But for them, they're like, oh, well, of course, everyone knows my mum you know, like, mm. <laughs> of course. And as my daughter gets a bit older, I think she's going to say, mum, you know, and I say, oh, so everybody knows who Amelia is. So my daughter's name is Amelia. Amelia is. So I have to be careful not to embarrass you. Right. She's like, yes. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> try, okay, I'll do my best not yeah. to embarrass you, but yeah, good luck with that. But mm-hmm. they, I, for them, they've not experienced any, they've only experienced good things from having a foreign parent, I think. Oh, that's good. That's very good. I'm glad so to hear I hope that. that gives you some peace of mind, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. And I think, you know, what you were saying about being on TV, we've been on, on TV quite a few times already, and there's a few more TV shows coming out. And so the, the guy at the petrol station here in, in Niodo, there's only one petrol station, obviously. <laughs> and he he uh, goes to my husband um, last week and he goes, so you were on TV again. And then he kind of goes quiet for a little bit. And he's like, so are you are you guys like famous or something? <laughs> so <laughs> so I was like, yep. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, no, but uh, thanks, thanks a lot for you know noticing yeah. and telling everyone about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I I can't. I've lost count of the amount of times I've been on TV, and still people will come up to me and say, "Oh, are you the person I saw?" And I'm like, "Yes, that was three or four years ago, and you remembered." But yes, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it is very weird, very very weird. But I and I also resisted it a lot at first, as being like the foreigner, or you know, people looking at you and 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 you can tell they're having a conversation about you and all of that. And I was like, well, that's got nothing to do with me, actually. I'll just I'll just keep go, doing what I'm doing. And you know, but you know, if you do engage with them, it, often you're just making their day. Like it's the most exciting thing that's happened to them all week. And you can have a really nice interaction. Like most of it's not like negative. It's just surprise and excitement, you know, mm-hmm. because you you could, for them, you're you, as exciting as, as seeing like, you know, a famous singer or something, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or a comedian yeah. or something so yeah mm-hmm. yeah but you know you didn't sign up for that when you came to Japan but um, that's something that you definitely have to get used to when you're living in the countryside in particular I feel mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah you're probably right yes <laughs> mm. yeah and the, the sooner you can get used to it the sooner the sooner you just you know get on with your life and en- enjoy enjoy your life as yeah. well mm. yeah. I think I mean either way like even the, the the fact that we have a an outdoor company and and we we go swimming in the canyon and and the way we dress like sometimes we you know New Zealand style we walk barefoot in a, a little supermarket <laughs> yeah. and so like man my husband is like that too it's not just me so mm-hmm. we're both kind of yeah we we definitely clash a little bit but that's also okay <laughs> we're we're fine with it yeah yeah and um, it's nice for them to see another way of of life as well and that you're enjoying what the local environment has to offer so much that they can't even see and you being there is such a gift to your community that you're showing them how what a treasure they have in their backyard with this beautiful nature and things that they you know they've stopped or they've never known how to enjoy it you're showing people how to enjoy their their neighborhood that's so great that's such a lovely thing yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We've been really lucky because you know the the main river where we go pack rafting, there is there there are a few fishermen on on the river, especially at the big rapids, and they stop when we were coming with a tour, and they stop and they're cheering us, and they're like, "Yeah!" Like when when someone oh, that's nice. uh, goes through the rap, yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. Yeah. It must be exciting for them to see you guys coming down the river, and and one would be fun one day to take them on a trip on your pack rafting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Some of them come canyoning too, some of the local people. So yeah, mm. absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed hearing about your 
your piece of Japan down there and how it is life for you as someone who hasn't been here for a long time and just, you know, making the most of the situation there, building your business and yeah, making, helping local people to enjoy their own backyard even more. I think it's really great what you're doing down there. And I really hope that you'll have more people come and visit you down there from different places. And hopefully some of our foreign community will get in touch with you and say hi. And definitely, yeah, there are lots of networks and things for women like us living in Japan and you'll find the best one for you, I'm sure at some point, but yeah, having those networks to, you know, people like Violet or you know, people like me, or now we know each other, <laughs> we're connected. Yeah, it really helps to enjoy your life more in Japan. So I hope you'll, as you go and find find your your Japan network, that'll make living in Japan even more fun for you. Yeah, I'd love to. I think it's it's very interesting because, like, again, I haven't really connected with women in in Japan so much with foreign women like I mean I do have friends in the city but it's mostly ALTs people in the jet program so it's it's really it's good fun to connect with people who are starting their businesses as well or who have a business or who just you know are mothers in Japan exactly thank you very much for having me yeah so everybody uh if you can find uh, Zoe on Instagram, aren't you? Which, what's your rafting business's Instagram handle? So, so the name is Niodo Adventure. So N I Y O D O Adventure. And yeah, I think we're we're the first one to pop up as well. Uh, the same thing for our website. So it's www.niodoadventure.com. And as far as the health coaching goes, it's just through my personal email. So it's Z B O U C H A R D dot Z B at gmail.com. And yeah, I think that's that's pretty much the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put all of those links in the show notes. So go over and say hi to Zoe and tell her you're coming to visit because <laughs> it sounds really great down there. Please, <laughs> I want more friends. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we can find you a really great network of women here in Japan because they're definitely here. It's just a matter of finding finding those those people who, who really help make your life in Japan even more fun than it already is. Yeah. Yeah, that would be lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming today, Zoe. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that was the interview with Zoe Kanzawa talking about her amazing life down there in Kochi. And for some reason, my dog is continuing to bark. I'm not sure what his problem is. (laughs) Anyway, we will keep going. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love you to reach out to Zoe and say hi and tell her who you are, what you do, where you are in Japan. And because I really hope that she will be able to build her network of other women living in Japan doing really great things. And I know there are so many of you who listen to this podcast who are like that. So please do this little favor for me and reach out and say hello to her. And as always, share the podcast with anyone who you think would be a great listener and a great member of the Transformations with Jane podcast community. So that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you after the summer holidays in September. Have fun and design your summer. Make sure you have a fun summer. Yeah. And it's not just going to happen that fun summer. It takes a little bit of planning, a little bit of work to figure out how you would like to spend it. And yeah, have yourself a wonderful summer and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. 